How long would we just let it play for the whole hour? Just have that be the entire show. The entire background, too. Yeah. Welcome to the Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. The other guy there, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Happy Friday, Rick. Happy Friday. I uh how many ta- how many different ways do people pronounce your name? Tregoski. Oh, I've heard them all. I've heard probably every possible variation you could imagine. We never do this, but and I don't know why I start here uh, with all the things going on that we, we uh, could be talking about. We never do this, but your 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 name is obviously like you know foreignish sure. sounding, and it's from Eastern you know, European. And if you go up the the the, the tree or down, would you go up the family tree up or the down the tree? tree? Or down, I think up. You think no? I think down because up would be the latest. Branches, the the youngest leaves. I'm gonna have to consult ancestry.com. Let's think about this, Chagaski. <laughs> the the trunk of the tree is the oldest part, and as you go up, the oh. younger. So your daughter is the very edge of this tree. Oh, now. oh, okay. I'm I'm, then you're I'm just seeing a, it now. Couple, I'm seeing it. You're a couple leaves in or branches in. So, but if you go not too far, right? Couple gener, not a couple great grandparents. Sure. Are from a country that no longer exists, right? Yes, correct. Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia, okay. So my roots are not there anymore. I mean, it's just now it's the Czech Republic and Slovakia divided into two. Yeah, I'm trying to like... I don't know my history here. Like, is yeah, there parallels either. to Ukraine here? I like, have uh, no idea. Russia, honestly, no. I, I'm completely ignorant about all of that stuff. My, uh, so I bring this up a little bit because my friend did his. Is it 23 and Me? Is that the? Oh yeah, yeah. The I did that. Or, or I did he, that too to figure might, out like what percentage are you of this area? What percentage of that area? So, and I'm pretty naive about uh, my. I know I'm native, and I think it's from the Iola area mm-hmm. or Fond du Lac area. There's the, we we used to know one, and then my aunt did the, the the ancestry thing, and then it was like, oh no, it's the tribe over here, and you know, I, I just I, I have since forgotten. Um, but my friend texts me today and he said, Hey, I did the 23 and me thing, sends me a sports illustrated swimsuit cover. He goes, that's my first cousin. You're kidding. And he goes, she's the girlfriend of Vikings coach, Mike Zimmer. <laughs> and I go, I go, you buried the lead here, man. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. She's your cousin. She's the girlfriend of, if you ever look at Viking Vikings coach. Mike oh yeah. Zimmer. Yeah. Um, so, so it's not his daughter. It's his girlfriend. It's his girlfriend. Right. <laughs> exactly. My, my friend's first cousin, apparently. And I don't, I didn't even look at who it was. Cause I didn't, I didn't really care. Like it's a, a, a beautiful woman in a swimsuit. Right. Um, but yeah, Mike, Mike Zimmer's, uh, and so my friends and then his wife, his wife's cousin is Shane Battier, who is a former, sure. You know, hated by you, hated Duke, by me because he played for Duke, Duke and I superstar. went to North Carolina. Yeah, so he is. So it's kind of funny. So I was like, and then he he mentioned that. And I go, I already knew the the Shane Battier thing because I'm a big NBA fan. John, I go, I I knew that already because that's important to me. This whatever with this woman, <laughs> that's your cousin that was a supermodel or whatever. Uh, okay, so I, let's just let's just hit the phone right away here. Number three is calling. Number three, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Okay, you called two different times. What happened? I just want to, I'm trying to experiment, I'm trying to figure out what happens to the phone line. Does it hang up on you automatically? No, I only called once. You did? Okay, that's, okay, good to know. All right, what you got? Well, I was, you guys going to talk trees 
In politics tonight, I'll go out and eat early. What do you want us to talk about? We're talking about supermodels and Vikings coaches and... Uh, oh, something local going on in the city of La Crosse. Well, there's a protest tonight outside of City Hall at 7 p.m. You going to do that? Was that for the abortion deal? Yeah, women's rights to choose, yeah. Oh, I know. I saw listen to Hannity, and he's afraid the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I won't get into abortions, okay? Where are you going to eat, Schmitty's? No, I'm going to go to the A&W-OK Corral to see if there's any lead flying on South Avenue. You getting a root beer? A root beer and some fish. Oh, fish, okay. Oh, you're going to get it in the down. Frosty Glass. Yeah. In a, in a cold uh, Jack Dab, Captain Morgan. I don't nah, think they have that at a nah, I don't think they have you that. You just bring a shot of it or what, little little <laughs> flask? Uh, yeah, a little flask of it. Oh, is that my little buddy? I seen you on television again this morning. Why You're looking good. Why am I your good. little buddy? He's a man. He's I, I, right I know I'm not the tallest guy in the world. Scrub up pretty good. Oh, thank you, number three. <laughs> no problem. Keep all your right. powder dry. Make sure your wife dries you home after all that Captain and root beer. Yes, he does. Hang in there. <laughs> all right, see ya. 608-785-7914. Yeah, we're burying the lead here, but I I, uh, I don't know why I thought of that. So um, Eric from Sparta is calling in. Let's just do this as well. Uh, Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I'm kind of wondering, do you think LaCrosse's policy of diversity, equity, and inclusion could uh, include the pro-life movement? I think not. And you know what, Mayor Mitch, he's a pro-abortion guy, as are you. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for that. Uh, old white guy, Eric from Spark. Got to weigh in on women's rights. We'll be back. Probably the first time on AM radio ever, Milkshake gets played. <laughs> Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. Number three got us in, in the mood for like a root beer float. Now, he was going root beer and Captain Morgan. Root beer float and Captain Morgan, you're mixing alcohol and dairy, but also it sounds kind of nice. It does, yes. All right, number three, let us know if you're going to put, uh, if it's going to be a root beer float or just regular root beer. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Remember that whole thing about her emails? Uh, Hillary Clinton? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. her name. Yeah. I forgot yeah. her name. Uh, we were pretty mad about that. The private email account while yeah. she was Secretary of State? Arguably lost an election because of it. Would you say that that had a, a role? It certainly did play a role because it played into broader suspicion that she's hiding something or we don't quite know what she's up to. So it was very damaging to her during the 2016 election. So the irony four years later and then one in a year, a year and a half later is that we're, we're, we're investigating the 2020 election. Republicans have hired somebody to investigate that. Yep. And, but her emails has become, or shouldn't it become, but his emails Michael Gableman is the former Wisconsin Supreme Court judge. New Berlin, is that the city? Yes. So he's at the New Berlin Public Library on one of those computers, just like in the library, you think? Yeah, you know, you happen to go into the New Berlin Public Library and you look over at the computer section and you might see a retired Wisconsin State Supreme Court justice conducting the investigation into the 2020 election and by the way getting paid eleven thousand dollars a month 
while he is doing that work. On his personal email account. Yeah, he did use a personal Yahoo email account. He does not have those emails available. He says he believes those emails were deleted. This is all about open records requests. And we've talked about this, Rick, how important open records laws are it, in government. Is it they're, a, they're a big part of what you do and what journalists do. Is it about open records requests then if he's on a public computer? Anyone, I don't know, maybe he's in a room because you could probably get a private room. Yeah. Uh, the library doesn't charge you for that. I think they're just like, yeah, you want to go sit in here and work? Go ahead. Um, I don't know. We just go public records, request the film from the library to see where this guy, this big old Supreme Court judge was working. But, you know, anyone could walk by and see he's working on I'm just picturing the lacrosse library. The computers yeah. are just all over and anyone could see you working on them or what you're looking at. Yeah, so. it, it was a startling piece of information that came out of this court hearing that Michael Gableman had the other day, again, dealing with this whole question of, is he being responsive to public records requests? Is he being transparent about what exactly is happening in this GOP-ordered investigation of the 2020 election? So it seems like the Yahoo email account is gone. We won't be able to figure out what emails were on that account. Of course, Rick, as you mentioned, we certainly will not be able to collect whatever it was that he did on the public library computers while he was working at a public library conducting this investigation in the early stages. The judge noted that he did very little work in the first two months, but was paid over $20,000 for his time during that early section, during that early stretch of the investigation. He also took some road trips to, you know, study how we're, you know, whatever. I don't even know what you want to call the MyPillow guy whatever they're called uh yeah talks yeah. like ted talks yeah yeah <laughs> my pillow what is it mike talks august of last year mike lindell held this thing like you said i don't know what to call it but it was a thing in i believe sioux falls south dakota michael gableman as part of his investigation into wisconsin's election goes to lindell's event and some other events and some other events he went to see the cyber ninja thing in arizona the so-called forensic audit yeah. of the election and he did not maintain any records about his visit to south dakota he says he was frustrated that in his words lindell did not provide any proof that the Chinese altered or hacked the election. So he did not keep any records. He admitted to deleting documents. Here's the thing. If you're going to these things as an investigator, nonpartisan, he's not, but you, you have to go into this. Like I'm investigating whether or not, whatever he's trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if we know at this point, but if, if Mike Lindell comes forward without any proof, then you bring, you bring the records back, the notes you took, the information back that says, oh, we've debunked this part of the fake election investigation or fake election conspiracy. That's part of the investigation is debunking the BS. Rick, I tell you, as a state employee myself, whenever I travel, I keep everything. Like, I buy a $1.50 bottle of coke from the vending machine i keep records of that you keep records of everything you do but you're, when you're keeping, a state employee you're keeping a record of that dollar 50 cokes you get reimbursed that dollar 50 oh, absolutely no <laughs> I, you you as a state employee especially 
you have to keep meticulous records of your activities. And that's why this is rather confusing, what exactly Mike Gableman has been up to and why he as someone who really should know about these open records laws, has not been keeping track, has not been keeping records that people can access about his election review. So it leaves people really in the dark about what exactly has been going on this whole time and what exactly we have been paying him for. As we talked about last week, Rick, the total tab for this investigation into the 2020 election in Wisconsin is now over $1 million. Is it? Because I read, uh, is that like a $900,000? There's It's like, over a mil. Yep. Okay. We're, and then you said last week that uh, and it would be nice and to by have. By the way, Rick, is it $300,000 over budget? Right. You said last week that we're, and when we talk about lawsuits and lawyer fees, and it'd be nice to know the Democratic side of this, but you said $12 million in lawyer fees we, the Republicans have had in a, I don't know what the period of time was. There. Yeah, I, I am very curious what the lawyers fees are on the Democratic Party side, but because of the seemingly endless lawsuits that we have in Wisconsin government and Wisconsin politics, the Republicans in state the state legislature have racked up about $12 million in lawyers fees since governor Evers came into office. Okay. So and we don't know, we don't know what the tab on the democratic side is, but no doubt the lawyers fees have been well into the millions on both sides. And we know that the people who benefit from the dysfunction and the gridlock and the general chaos in Wisconsin politics are the lawyers in Madison. They're making bank out of all, this. Yeah, it'd be nice to know how many of those lawyers contribute then to uh, yeah. political campaigns. That would be an interesting it, investigation. It really piece. would. It really would. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to, to follow, but then the lawyers could contribute in so, dif- so many different ways that, that you wouldn't be able to you could not you could lose trail of the money somehow right yeah and and i wonder like are there cozy relationships between these lawyers and the lawmakers who consistently go back to them and give them millions of dollars in taxpayer money it's really just obscene the use of taxpayer money for these constant lawsuits these constant battles because of the dysfunction in Wisconsin state government. And that's the thing you brought up. Taxpayers are paying for the lawyers. Okay, let's go bring this back to Gableman. He was held in contempt of court, and then he's challenging whether or not he should be held in contempt of court. The judge was fining him or going to fine him $2,000 a day. It's always funny how he could pay to pay a lawyer to fight the $2,000 a day, which would probably cost... I guess a lawyer probably wouldn't cost $2,000 a day, but it's going to cost quite a bit of money. And then he's going to challenge that. I wonder if that would be retroactive then. You lose that challenge, you go back to that week or two weeks, you got you owe us all those $2,000 a day. But my question is, if Michael Gableman is being fined $2,000 a day for not cooperating in court and, and discussing his public records mis- misfeasance, um, who's paying that bill? And we don't write, like taxpayers could be paying his court fees and his lawyer fees and his uh now just what is it held in contempt fees and and that was left open in this most recent uh ruling by the judge Uh, the judge left open the question according to the associated press the judge left open the question of whether gableman will face penalties under the open records law that remains to be seen she kind the judge in this case kind of said well yeah 
records are gone, I guess. So sorry about that open records request. He deleted the emails, deleted the records. And so it remains to be seen the types of financial penalties. And as you mentioned, Rick, who exactly is going to be on the hook for any financial penalties that the investigation into the election brings up? If it was five, five days, he'd rack up $10,000 in, 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 law, in uh, contempt fees, right? That means he would make $1,000 because if he was up to five days in a month, he's making eleven grand a month. Right. That's taxpayer paid. Yep. But if he's, if he's fined, the taxpayer, for five days, the taxpayers would still be paying that because it would be ten grand. Of t- but if he's fined and the fines are paid for also by the taxpayers, then he's actually making more money off the taxpayers because then uh, we're paying him $11,000 a day, plus taxpayers are paying him $2,000 a day for contempt of court. I wonder where that money goes. Does it just go to the court system, Madison, Dane County, whatever? I don't even know. Yeah, the, the weird thing about this is just how just how never-ending this is. I mean, every day, every week, we seem to have a new twist in this investigation That's into the, the 2020 point. election. Yeah, it, it, like this never-ending boondoggle of an investigation. It, as a political scientist does not even meet the basic standards for transparency. We don't know what the goals of this investigation are. Robin Voss has said, the Assembly Speaker has said that he wanted to introduce some legislation to reform elections based on the investigation. I don't know what happened to that. Also, he paused the investigation because of of so many lawsuits against it. It's just gotten so tangled up in lawsuits. And they are not frivolous lawsuits, by the way. I mean, Robin Voss has said, well, just keeps getting tied up in these frivolous lawsuits from the left. These are not frivolous lawsuits because open records laws are a big deal. They are really instrumental in making sure that government is transparent, that people have reasonable access to government documents. So we, the taxpayers, we, the citizens know what the government is up to. So, I mean, of course, there's an ideological bent to this. They are liberal groups that are suing Michael Gableman and Robin Voss because, I mean, they're on the opposing side of the political spectrum. But that doesn't take away from the seriousness of government transparency and being open about the documents in this investigation. Yeah, it should be all laid out, laid out all laid out on the table whether you yeah, know it would lay it, it all we, out on the table. It would be nice. We shouldn't even need to open records requests. There should just be like here it all is, but of course that's never going to be the case. And, uh, and Rick, that is why the industry standards for transparency have not been met in this case, and that is why these lawsuits have just taken on a life of their own. The industry standard is that the investigator is very transparent. That hasn't happened in this case, and so there are your thousands of dollars in legal fees as yeah, a result. You're investigating, so show us all the investigation. And also, nobody deletes emails, so it's completely ridiculous that his personal email account on a public library computer, and he's deleting emails. I got in my Gmail right now 10,313 unread emails, so I'm just I'm way behind a lot of those spam. Uh, so before we go to break, here's Jim. Just to show you how biased your news broadcasting is, we're uh, doing a talk show here. I don't remember hearing you mention one of the biggest news stories in our country in a long time, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, he put in parentheses, because, you know, it could have been the January 6th hearings, Ron Johnson trying to overturn election. Uh, the news that came out from the January 6th hearings yesterday where Donald Trump just said, hey, just say it's corrupt and and let me and the Republican congressmen take it from there. Uh, no, he had to put in parentheses the biggest news in the country 
because it's today is the overturning of Roe versus Wade and one of the biggest news dumps of all time because the Supreme Court did a whole bunch of stuff yesterday that you could say was completely BS. Uh, but he says, didn't even get a mention because it didn't fit your narrow leftist narrative of a defeat. Pathetic exclamation point, all caps. Um, I'll just say this. We mentioned it because Eric from Sparta brought it up for a second. I uh, talked about it yesterday with Jill Billings. We all knew it was going to happen. Uh, Anthony Tregoski and I are a couple of middle-aged white men. We don't really have a whole lot of decision-making skills in the what women should do with their bodies. And, and Rick, just ethically, as a political scientist, I, I would never take a stance on Roe versus Wade or abortion. It's just not my place as a as a political scientist. I mean, I I'm happy to analyze the the consequences of the ruling, but yeah, and, we, and we've I, done that. We've yeah. done that. I think two weeks ago we talked about like, Hey, if this gets overturned, is it going to rally this side or that Absolutely. side and bring more people to the polls? Um, and also, yeah, it's just, uh, it, you know, so that, that's where I stand with that. Anyway, I got to take a break. What do you think? This is like a remix? No, this is the uh, original version. Oh, back when I was in middle school or high school, this was was a banger, as the kids say. (laughs) Banger. I don't know if they say that anymore. You might have said that. They say, this slaps. That's the new thing that the kids say. Like, this slaps. Can you slap to it, though? This would be... You can't slap to it. It'd be, uh, you know, like... Oh, you can clap along to it, but you can't. No, you can't. There's no like. (laughs) It's kind of you can't. Not that it's not good. Just it's not a slap. It's not a slap. Don't mind us. Just two middle-aged dudes trying to figure out how to dance and groove to a Rihanna song. The uh, (laughs) the audacity that I say two middle-aged dudes shouldn't be commenting on women's rights yet we're commenting on like hip hop. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how we would get down to Umbrella by Rihanna. Yeah, and we wouldn't. And we, we, we would fail miserably. Fail miserably. Speaking of fail miserably, uh, I think this is Greg. How, how would your dancing do be uh, with Umbrella here from Rihanna? Yeah, I'm not a dancer. All right. Same with, uh, same with us, I believe. Tregoski, you cutting a rug? That the... makes three of us. Okay, fair enough. All right, go All ahead, right. Greg. You're on the air. So here's my... my situation today, listening to all the talk about this Roe v. Wade decision. First of all, Uh, We have this thing called the Constitution. In the Constitution, it describes three branches of government. The uh, judicial branch of the government, in this case the Supreme Court, they have one purpose, is to interpret law based on the Constitution. This Roe v. Wade decision has nothing to do with women's rights, or their opinions on women's rights, it has to do on was this legal based on the Constitution. All right. Thanks, Greg. Is that Does he have a point there? Well, sure. I mean, like, constitutional interpretation is a weird thing, Rick. You know what, you know what constitutional interpretation is to me? It's Friday, and you said the words constitutional interpretation. <laughs> And then I'm just like, people are turning off the radios, and that's it. Like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done talking about it. It's Friday at 542. Who wants to talk about constitutional interpretation? So earlier this week, a guy had a VH tape, VHS tape of Back to the Future 1, and it sold for $75,000 at an auction. Do you think VHSs are going to make a comeback like vinyl is? 
They can't because you would have to have a, there's a dual cassette tape deck in here from the Wisdom Studio from it's probably from like 19 what 82 I bet. Uh it's missing the glass over the dual cassettes like that well it'd be plastic. I put my foot in there sometimes where the cassette would go. It's just like a nice little like foot rest for me. Sure. Uh, I think Hayes might use it, but I think he comes in. Even Mike Hayes comes in 36 years on the job. Mike Hayes comes in and puts a CD in. So not even Mike Hayes. Is not using even Hayes is using the cassette. The cassette. So my dad still listens to cassettes, though. Where? Boombox. He has a cassette player. I don't know where he got it, but somehow he has one. Okay, so what does the cassette player look like, though? Is it a boombox? Or is it one of those, like... T- so, uh, the the longtime sports reporter for the S- Star Tribune or the other one? Uh, Sid Hartman of the Star Sid Tribune. Hartman. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so I have a picture yep. where I'm in... I've co- I covered, like, Kevin Love's return game when he was with the Cavs. Yep. And I'm sitting in the, in the media room. Sid Hartman is behind me interviewing Glenn Taylor, mm-hmm. the Timberwolves owner. So, I take a selfie... Because I'm like, oh, Sid Hartman, Glenn Taylor, right behind me in here doing an interview. Sid Hartman has like old school cassette ta- cassette tape deck. That is a legendary and, like, in Minnesota, a legendary <laughs> recorder that he had. Yeah, definitely. So, and you know, Sid Hartman, uh, his interesting like journalism history. No high school diploma, yeah. no college, just like right. just before the times. Kind of like when I asked the fire department uh, what it takes to be a fireman. They go, you need to go to tech school and get this training for two years. And I'm like, oh, where did you go to tech school to do that? Oh, we didn't have to. We were grandfathered in. I go, wait a minute. (laughs) You don't have to take. Sid Hartman didn't have to do any of that. Not that you need a degree in journalism to journalize, but uh, it's just interesting. He didn't even get a high school degree. Right. Uh, Just funny. Um, what were we talking about? Your dad cassette tape. Yeah. So about oh, yeah, back, VHSs. Back to the Future. Copy of Back to. You have any V? Your, your dad have any VHS tapes? I'm sure he does somewhere. Oh, you think so? So yeah. at one point, I think I said this the other day. I uh, uh, lived way out in the country. Uh, didn't really have garbage. Cleaning out the house one day. It was it was time. VHS was over, and Goodwill doesn't even want them at some point. You know. Uh, burn barrel, threw them all in a burn barrel. Just burned them all. Big black, just part there of might the, have been Based on this the, article, there might have been thousands of dollars of VHS tapes there, right? Well, that and the temperature rose like a 0.1 degrees from the greenhouse gases I released <laughs> that day. But I kept Fletch. Speaking of journalism, I kept Fletch. <laughs> and I kept uh, Uncle Buck. And they're still in a, in that pile. This I'm to the point now where the DVDs I have are just obsolete. Oh, yeah. Now the DVDs, I've got this big collection of them. I don't know what to do with them anymore. Yeah. What are you guys doing with your CDs and your DVDs? Because i got a pile of CDs. The CDs don't even come out of the closet. They're in a, a CD rack, whatever, sure. uh, like tall, whatever you call that. I can't think of the word. Um, and then the, the DVDs are on a nice bookshelf that would you know be nice for the books. Uh, the only time the DVDs come out is when the internet goes out for an extended period of time, and I just take out like Seinfeld season four, whatever disc, because it's you know you're getting two and a half hours of background just, then you can do well, you can't do anything else because there's no electric, no there's internet. no internet, yeah, yeah. So you have to like you watch Seinfeld is what you do. You don't read. Jeez, I don't even have a bookshelf for that. Um, six oh eight. So that was one of the stories that I thought was funny this week. Uh, a little bit. I don't know. Do you? Is, you got any more on that? You had another one. I gotta one, say I though, like 
that is not bad to land $75,000 for that mint condition copy of Back to the Future. Unopened. Unopened. It seems like the value was greatly influenced by the fact that it was owned by Tom Wilson, the VHS tape was, who played Biff, Biff. Tannen in the classic 80s film. Yeah, th- that's that's the whole thing right there. Like if, That's where the if, value comes if from. If Biff didn't own that, then it wouldn't be a thing. Um, another another story that I saw, this one a little bit like ironic and and well let's just do this one it's been hot out we've had we have kind of like the i've seen this meme this meme uh you know where it's like bart simpson telling his dad man this is the hottest summer you know this this is the hottest summer of my life and and homer simpson goes this is actually the coolest summer of the rest of your life because every summer's gonna get hotter it's been hot out lately and uh right right i don't know if this is a friday news dump but French's ketchup is it just French's the the you know they make mustard and you know you, French's right mm-hmm. uh, ketchup popsicle where do you stand on ketchup popsicle you know Rick in comparison to the strawberry sorbet that I had last weekend at the Pearl I'm gonna go with the sorbet over the ketchup popsicle what is that like a bo- just a bowl of something a sorbet a- it's like non dairy frozen dessert okay. and it was delicious let me tell you sorbet just sounds fancy you i it did so i did you put your I pinky felt, up i felt fancy put i did pinky put my up, pinky but you up. eat it with a spoon right yes. like it's not a popsicle i so. put on a little top hat while i was eating <laughs> like, like the no no the monopoly guy wear a top hat i think he does um so there was that story okay the other story i wanted to bring up um in oklahoma there's like three oklahoma i have a friend that lives in oklahoma city and it's not because he lives in Oklahoma City, but I see these stories, and then I go, hey, dude, Oklahoma for you. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, dude walking around town, AR-15, out, like it's out, right? Like, And he's got bulletproof vest on. People are calling the police. This is like when, the, when Mitch was doing this show. He had his son come in because his son had bought a handgun. Mm-hmm. And at some point, well, his son was got it whole. It's he's got it holstered. It's not concealed. I don't. You can. There's a. It's weird, right? Like you can carry it unconcealed, and if you want to conceal it, you got to take training. So he's got it in his whole, like under his armpit in a holster. He's walking around town. People are calling the cops. This guy's walking around town with a gun. So the cop comes up to Mitch's son, and and is like, "Hey, you 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 know, just doing a basically a check." And Mitch's son goes to take the gun out to show him, "Oh, it's not loaded." And the cop's like, "No, no, no." leave the gun you know because in any other case and in certain circumstances this is when we protest because somebody has been shot for no reason except that they unwilling unknowingly took out a gun to show the cop that they were safe uh had it not been you know six foot three white dude who's like 20 some years old at that time well anyway this dude's walking around oklahoma city uh i think it was oklahoma city ar-15 bulletproof vest uh, people calling the cops. Cops are like, we can't do anything about it. He, he's, it's legal for him to carry the AR-15 and bulletproof vest is perfectly legal. But they did arrest him, Tregoski. He had on brass knuckles. Totally illegal. What? So they arrested him for having brass knuckles. <laughs> I think the most ironic and idiotic thing I've ever heard. Um, all right, we're going to take one more break. Uh, wrap up after this. Going to do it. 608 785 is the talking text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski on with me. We're going to play a clip here from Ron Kine, but we're going to set this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there was so there's two January 6th committee hearings or what is it joint what is it called the like the uh, the committee on select, the uh, t- select, select committee. committee. That's yes. the word of the 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 select committee uh, that, investigating the January. Trump always calls them the unselect committee. Oh, good. Yes. Um, well, that's fine. He can do what he wants. Free. It's freedom of speech. Yes. Um, all right. So anyway, uh, January sixth committee on Tuesday, select committee, uh, kind of broke news that the. We haven't discussed this, have we? I've discussed this a lot. We haven't because I had Mandela on and then William Garcia came on. But um, well, when you the heard this guy news. guy who oh, canceled on you is in the news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, the, Ron Johnson was going to come on with me for the first time ever on Tuesday. And, I was and, looking forward to that. And we were going to talk. I had all kinds of stuff lined up for him that I just wanted, like, can we talk about, like, healthcare a little bit and where you're at? And I had some examples where uh, a friend has got a pre-existing condition and now found, found medication that works. And then I've uh, been doing that medication for like a year or so. And then the health insurance goes, oh, by the way, we're not taking that medication anymore. And it's like a, you know, years long battle to find the right medication that finally makes your body feel like your body of old. And and then the insurance company goes, ah, we're not going to do that one anymore. But thank you, insurance company, because the you, you would know better than my doctor and my body. So anyway, I, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up to Ron Johnson, ask him, like, what the bleep? Um, but anyway, news breaks that Ron Johnson was going to hand deliver. I guess you could explain this because he was going to hand deliver electoral, false electoral votes for Donald Trump from Michigan and Wisconsin to Mike Pence. With with should I let Ron Kine explain this? Is Ron Kine kind of explain? Yeah, this I can kind of set it up, Rick. So there, as we know, were fake electoral votes that were cast around the country that were cast for Donald Trump. Seven states. Seven states, including here in Wisconsin and in the state of Michigan. Now, One, one signed by La Crosse County Democrat, uh, Republican Party Chair Bill Fee. In Wisconsin and in Michigan, we have these fake electoral votes that say Wisconsin votes for Donald Trump for president and Michigan votes for Donald Trump for president. Now, on January 6th, that's when you certify the results of the electoral vote. And what happened was Ron Johnson's chief of staff texts a key staffer for Mike Pence and says, hey, Ron Johnson has something to give you. It is the electoral votes from Michigan and Wisconsin, except they're not the real electoral votes. They are the not forged. real. They're forged, right? The, they- the, the, the for- you could call them the forged electoral votes. And Mike Pence's staffer says, do not give those to the vice president. I think he said, do not do that, right? Like, it was Don't do don't you dare <laughs> give the vice president fraudulent documents. Right. And so that was kind of the end of it at that point. But then the question is, well, wait a minute. Why did Ron Johnson have these false electoral votes from Wisconsin? And Michigan, I might add. Yeah, this was January 6th, so it was back before gas prices were really expensive. So they could have easily gave, you know, dr- Michigan could have driven the, the electoral votes to D.C. on their own. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, so Ron Johnson weirdly has both Michigan and Wisconsin. And by, why? By the way, Rick, there is a little funny side note there. Um, the Mark, Mark Jefferson, the Wisconsin Republican Party executive director, said prior to January 6th, Freaking Trump idiots want someone to fly original electoral papers to the Senate president. That is to say, Mike Pence. They're going to call one of us to tell us just what the hell is going on. So there was concern, like, you got to get these documents that say Trump won Wisconsin out to D.C. 
and get them in the hands of Mike Pence. Yeah. And so that is where Ron Kind was on WKOW TV in Madison to comment on well, before like, what that, Ron though, Johnson was doing. Because that story breaks. Then somebody hunts down Ron Johnson who's yep. walking around yep. and is like, dude, you were going to give these votes? And Ron Johnson, what, did he deny that he knew or deny that he... Ron Johnson has said that he did not know what he was going to give Mike Pence or what exactly was in the envelope. Right, and that's where Ron Kine comes in. And that's in where, where Ron Kine comes in. After that statement. All right, here's here's a third district congressional congressman, congressional, congressional US, U.S. House Rep. Ron Kine. I was going to say he's retiring, too, so he's done in a couple months. I will guarantee you with 100% certainty that the member of Congress would be fully aware of any information that was attempted to be passed on to the vice president of the United States. Listen, I've listened to Senator Johnson's denial and explanation for all this, and either he is lying or he is the most incompetent member of Congress that he would allow information to go to the vice president without his knowledge of what it was and the gravity of what it was. So I think he has more explaining to do. All right. So (laughs) he's either lying, which would make sense, or he's incompetent, which would make a whole lot of sense. You're not going to give the vice president something from somebody that you didn't know. Apparently, he didn't know who gave it to him or who gave, you know, right? Well, here's the next twist. Ron Johnson says that, enter Pennsylvania into the picture, a congressman from Pennsylvania is the one that gave Ron Johnson's office the fake electoral votes. That it was, in fact, Congressman Kelly, Mike Kelly, from Pennsylvania that gave Ron Johnson's office the fake electoral votes. Mike Kelly says that this is patently false. I might add Kelly's a Republican member of Congress. Unbelievable. Kelly has not spoken to Senator Johnson, according to a statement from his office, for the better part of a decade and has no knowledge of the claims Mr. Johnson is making related to the 2020 election. So There's only 50 Republican senators. They haven't talked to each other and. <laughs> yeah, so so Mike Kelly, who is being blamed by Ron here's, Johnson, here's what happened. Just doesn't know what's going on. Ron Johnson and Mike Kelly are standing on the side of the road, and a bus is coming, and Ron Johnson just kicked Mike Kelly into traffic, and the bus hit Mike Kelly. Correct. And Mike Kelly is trying right now to dodge, like he's stumbling all over the road. He's like, Correct. I don't know what you're talking about. Like I've, I haven't talked to you in a decade. I'm a senator. You're a senator. We've never talked. Yeah. I don't even know this guy. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up. <laughs> that's Donald Trump's like number one phrase after anything that comes out controversial that someone said about it. I don't even know this guy. I never heard of her. Ivanka, who's that?